Um, we're starting a new series, and it's looking at different people and different stories in the book of Acts that talk about how we serve God all in. You know, we just throw all in. We're all in for God. We're all in for serving this kingdom and this great, glorious God and gospel. And, um, and we're looking at different characters and different stories throughout the book of Acts. And, uh, and we're looking today um, at uh, the story of Peter, and, uh, sorry, of Stephen. Stephen, and he's familiar, I think, to, to many of us. Um, and I'm going to read, actually, from chapter 6. All, I'm going to read all of chapter 6 and a few verses from chapter 7. Okay, and, I'll, and, and in between, I'm going to fill in bits of the story rather than read the whole story just to summarize a bit of it. Otherwise, it'll be taking too long. So I'm going to read from Acts chapter 6. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it says this. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenist Jews arose against the Hebrew Jews because their widows were being neglected in the daily food distribution. Um, just say, in, in Jerusalem, there were Hebrews, there were Jews who'd been brought up in Jerusalem um, and were very, very uh, tight-knit community. And there were other Jews that had lived in different places across the Roman Empire, but had found themselves in Jerusalem, and they were Greek-speaking Jews. Um, they were still Jewish, but they were—they'd been brought up in other towns and other places, and were slightly different in outlook, perhaps, to the the Jerusalem Jews, if you like. And so, this is what this is—the background to this is that their widows were being overlooked. The Greek-speaking widows were being overlooked in the food distribution, um, and they were complaining about this. Okay, and so the 12, that's the 12 apostles, summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among yourselves seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, and we will appoint whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Prochorus, Nicanor and Timon, and Parmenas, Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses 
and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And the high priest said, are these things so? And I won't just I'll skip the next bit, but it just, Peter really just gives an amazing account. Stephen, sorry, Stephen keeps Stephen gives an amazing account of, if you like, the history of the people of God, right from Abraham through to Isaac, Joseph, Jacob, Joseph, and then through to Moses and uh, Joshua. David and Solomon and the building of the temple. And he speaks of the time that they spent in captivity in Egypt and the time they spent in exile in Babylon. He gives a complete, if you like, overview. Clearly, he knows the scriptures and he knows his Bible. And he just outlines everything and all that's gone on for the people of Israel. And then he says, in uh, verse uh, 55, I think it is, no, 51, having outlined everything, he then says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers did not your fathers persecute and they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it now when they heard these things they were enraged and the, and ground their teeth at him but he full of the holy spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of god and jesus standing at the right hand of god and he said behold i see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of god but they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed at him together, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Jesus, uh, Stephen, he cried out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, 
except the apostles. Devout men buried, buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Right at the beginning there, we see something just very normal. The food needed to be distributed fairly. The church saw a need. They saw that there were widows who were going without. These widows, no doubt, would have no one to care for them. No national health service in those days, no pensions, nothing like that. And the church took practical action and started to collect food and distribute food amongst the, the widows so they didn't starve. And some of them were being overlooked. And they looked to see who could they give this job to. The apostles thought it's more important this is important that they get fed. It's important that this is done well. But it's important that we should give ourselves to the preaching of the word and to prayer. And they looked around and they looked for some, as it turned out, men in that time. But they looked for some men who, could, who they could trust to do something and to serve well. And, and Stephen was amongst them. Now, that word, when it says it, it's not right for us to wait on tables, that word wait on in Greek is where we get our word deacon from. And so if you like, these were the first deacons. Now, deacons, it's interesting. Deacons is an office in the church. And I think it's probably fair to say that in recent times, certainly in our circle of relationships and churches, deacons had a bit of a bad, bad name. Uh, and the reason for that is that particularly in, in, in some sort of streams of churches, they have deacons and the deacons tended to be like a committee and the committee had all the power. Everything was done by the sort of democratic vote of the of the of the deacons. Um, I think Terry Virgo, who sort of heads up New Frontiers, used to talk about the elders and demons. Um, and um, and so I think as a as a as a movement of churches, we we kind of chucked the baby out with the bathwater. We we tended to do away with the office of deacon in our churches because in other churches we'd seen this idea of deacons being abused, that they were not functioning in the way that the scripture here shows. But actually, I think it's going to be right for us. And I think as a church, we're going to be looking again. We did look again a, a, about three years ago, and we did appoint some deacons. And for various reasons, um, Susie was one of them and has moved to Derby. Glynn was one of them and has, has uh, stepped down and, and moved to a church in Dorchester. Um, 
Pauline was one of them when she was leading up the work amongst uh, the street community and the soup run, but she wanted to step down from that. Um, but I think we need to explore again this whole business of deacons because it's scriptural. It's there in the Bible. And Stephen was one such person. He was a, a deacon. He was, they looked for someone who can just take something off of our shoulders the apostles wanted. Who can take something off our shoulders that we can trust and know that the job's going to get done and serve, serve faithfully in that. And Stephen was one such person. And there are many of you, I think, that are stepping up to the plate and helping so that Steve and I don't have to worry about certain things. We don't have to worry, has this happened? Will this be done? Because we know that it's being done. And really, that is the role of a deacon. And I think we need to be looking again at that. Because in the church, these offices, elders, deacons, they're not a position of status. They're a position of function. It's what we do. It's not who we are. As elders, Steve and I are no better, no more spiritual, no more polished in God than you are. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. But we've been given a function. We've been given a job to do, and that job is to lead. It's not because we're a greater status. And I think it, we need to... You know, this is, I just as I was thinking about this whole morning, I thought, actually, as that church, as the church in Jerusalem needed to have certain things done, we actually get to that stage as well sometimes. I, I really don't mind putting chairs out. I really don't mind putting notice boards out. I don't even mind... Mopping the toilets. I do it sometimes. I, there, is, there, there is nothing, oh, that I'm too important to do that job. No, that's rubbish. I don't, none of us, Steve and I, don't feel like that. Honestly, I do anything and do at many, on many occasions. But actually, if we want the body to be functioning, then it's good when other people step up and do some of these things to release. Steve and I from having to do certain things. So, you know, I don't know how many rotors we are both on, but it's probably too many. Because when we're doing that, we're not free to be just here praying for people at the end of the service, um, you know, just trying to hear from God before the service. You know, we're caught up in the frenzy and we just manage sometimes to grab a 15 minute window if you know if we're lucky to just go and spend some time praying together you know with with one another before the service um now i'm not as i say it's not that we we have any great status oh i'm far too important to do that actually i'm not i know i'm not i don't and, and i'm quite happy to do the things i'm quite happy to do any of these jobs i know steve is as well um you know steve was in here uh, a couple of weeks ago for quite a number of hours with his um, laser, you know, doodah to try and measure up the rooms and do a floor plan. And, um, yeah, he, dis he discovered, by the way, that 
that back wall in the kitchen is actually a partition wall that's been put in. And actually, there is an opening from that kitchen into the old corridor, but it's been blocked off because he, he couldn't get the, he couldn't get the dimensions to match. They didn't quite match. I've, I've done something wrong, and eventually he was. Sort of, and found out that, yeah, actually, that's just a partition. It's not the same thickness as any other bit of wall. It's just a, just a bit of, you know, fiberboard or something. You know, it's, <laughs> we do all sorts of things. We do all sorts of things, and we're happy to do it. We're not important in that sense. We've got no status in that sense. But God has given us a job to do, and we need to be able to release, be released sometimes to do that job. And that's what happened here. The apostles wanted somebody they could trust, and they, they wanted people that they could rely upon to do this job well. And we see two characteristics, I think, in, of Stephen as we look at this. The two characteristics were, one, he was obviously a man of the word, and clearly he was a man of the spirit. He, he knew his scripture. He knew the story of Israel. He could recite it. In fact, he knew actually what other Israelites might not have noticed. He, he noticed that actually throughout that history, there was a history of them rejecting the prophets. There was a history of them setting themselves up against God, not going with God. He could see their story. He could see things in that story that other people couldn't. No doubt because of the Holy Spirit revealing to him as he was reading, the Holy Spirit giving him uh, eyes to see what was going on. And of course, it said he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he began to work wonders and miracles. And that's amazing. It starts out with doing something as, if you like, as ordinary as waiting on tables. Lord, I'm going to faithfully wait on tables. I'm going to make sure that these people are fed and don't go hungry. And what happened? Before you know it, he's doing signs and wonders. What did Jesus say in the, in the parable of the talents? You know the story of the parable of the talents. You know, one gets five, one gets two, one gets ten. And, you know, and, and those, the ones that get ten gets another ten, and the one that gets five gets another five or and the, and the one you know just buries the last one just buries what he has and and doesn't make anything of it and jesus says you know if you're faithful in a little i'll put you in charge of much and just being faithful just as stephen was faithful in just serving at table and if you saw my little um my little cartoon thing for the uh, on on facebook you know just announcing this and there was the, the two elderly sort of a man and a woman elderly man and a woman with um uh waiters you know sort of serving like waiters um it's just just by doing that just by serving at table just by be, giving food to people faithfully making sure that nobody else had to worry about that don't worry that's covered that's sorted it's gonna happen the next thing you know, God starts to give opportunities for working wonders to Stephen, working miracles. But of course, what happens is it leads to opposition. You know, sometimes we think if we're going to do good, that everything's going to go really well. We're doing good. God, I was, thought I was doing the right thing. Why am I getting all this flack? 
Why am I getting all these problems? Why are people saying bad things about me? Because that seems to be a biblical thing that happens sometimes. Not that you've done anything wrong. Persecution came. People lied about Stephen. Said all sorts of things. Got false witnesses. You know what? I wonder, when, it, when it, I just read that, that verse in the start of chapter 7, where the high priest says, are these things so? Now, Stephen, probably, I guess, if he'd have just said, no, they're not so. It's not true. I haven't said those things. These things are being distorted and lies are being said about me. And no doubt, if the high priest had taken the trouble then to investigate, he would have found that Peter was tell- uh, that Stephen was telling the truth, that actually he hadn't said any of these things. But Stephen didn't do that. He didn't try to defend himself. But he, he then went into a whole discourse of the people of Israel and with a view to just telling them about Jesus. And of course, that didn't get him, didn't win him their favor, did it? You know, when he told them about Jesus and told them what they'd done, they got really angry. They took him out and they stoned him to death. He could have avoided that, probably. I'm, I'm guessing here, it doesn't say in script, but I'm guessing that if he'd have said, when the high priest said, are these things true, he could have gone for an easy life and just said, no, they're not true. Look into it, you'll find it's not true. He didn't do that. He thought, I've got an opportunity here to share about Jesus. And so he did. And it led to his death. But also, if you notice, if you read on, as I read on into the, just into the beginnings of chapter 8, what happened? The persecution caused the church to scatter. And wherever the church scattered, they began to tell people about Jesus. And the word of Jesus spread to all sorts of places that it wouldn't have spread to otherwise. I don't know whether, because of our makeup, God needs to do that to us sometimes, put us into some situations that we rather we weren't in, in order to force us to go and do something that we should be doing anyway. But that's what happened here. But the outcome of it was that from waiting on tables led to Working wonders and signs and miracles led to persecution and death, led to the church expanding and the church growing in number. That was an amazing cycle going on. As I say, Stephen was full of the word and full of the spirit just doing something as ordinary as waiting waiting on tables, God used him. He was faithful in a little, 
God made him faithful in much, much more. Now, the greatest service that we can give to someone is to tell them about Jesus. Guys, when you go out on the soup run, you're doing a fantastic work. The Lord bless you. It's good to remember the poor. It's good to be giving food to those you know, who are disadvantaged in our community. The Lord loves that. But don't shy back from telling people about Jesus because the best thing you can give them is a knowledge of Jesus. And wherever else we, you know, in, our, in any other ways that we help people, consider how it will be possible to tell people about Jesus because that is the biggest service you can ever give someone. I know we can be very British, can't we? You know, um, with, you know, say with the soup run, oh, we don't like to take advantage. We feel like we're taking advantage of people if we use the fact that they're in a down, you know, in an impoverished position and we're helping them, but we don't want to take advantage of them by pushing our message onto them. That's, that's sometimes how we can feel. But actually, we're not doing that. We're giving them the word of life. We're giving them eternal life. We're giving them a food that will sustain them forever. Jesus is the bread of life. We can give that to people. Now, on um, Thursday, well, on Saturday, first of all, Saturday, Mary, you went out, didn't you, with um, a few people and did some street work. And you had four or five people being prayed for? Five being prayed for. And then some that they let you share your kind of your story of, of how, how you can become a Christian. Okay. On Thursday, um, Guy Miller, who is kind of the, the apostolic figure, the apostle of our sphere, um, he gathered together some of the leaders from our region. So we're the kind of western boundary of our region and it goes right up to hook in the kind of up towards the m3 corridor basically so down across to portsmouth up to hook uh salisbury down to us it's kind of that you know that area and we gathered together at wimborne with with um with guy and guy just uh, shared a bit one of the things guy told us by the way is that the offering at West Point has now gone over 700,000, which is quite amazing. But one of the things that Guy wanted to do was just to talk to us about sowing seed. Very similar to what Russell had brought a couple of Sundays ago. Only Russell, I think, was reading the parable of the sower from Luke's gospel, as I remember, and, and Guy was reading the same parable, but from Matthew's gospel. And talking about sowing seed. And he said, right, and this afternoon, we're going to go out and sow some seed. Which we did around Wimborne. Um, I'll just give you the, just to, you know, these might sort of spark off ideas for you. One of the things that we did 
some people went into a couple of local cafes and put sort of 50 quid behind the, the counter. I said, right, the next however many people that come in, um, coffee's on us. And if they ask who's paid for it, well, we'll be sitting over there in the corner. You can just say, oh, it's those people over there. And some people would come in and sort of say, oh, thanks for the coffee. A few would come over and say, why have you bought the coffee? Um, and then you can share about Jesus. Some didn't. Some just came in, had a coffee. Oh, okay, great. Fair enough. Another thing they did was um, they got a whole load of change and went to a car park and bought car park tickets. Now, in Wimborne, it's only about 40 pence, not like, not like Weymouth. Um, but bought car park tickets. But they were saying it's quite funny. You know, it's as if it's as if they'd found a fifty-pound note. Wow, you're paying my parking ticket for. It. Yeah, they, they, it, they, someone's pointed out if they saw twenty pence on the forty pence on the floor, they might not even bother to pick it up. You know, but you had bought that paid for their parking. Why are you doing that? Well, oh, because. God's great. God is wonderful to us. God is kind to us. We want to be kind to you. Yeah. So there were all sorts of ideas like that of, of just how we can just share the good news with people. And you may have some that might prompt things with you. Yeah, we could do something, or we could do this, or maybe not that, but something else. That occurs to me, why, what about that? And then I went out with um, Russell, who uh, leads the church in uh, Citygate, and we just... We just went around, there's a sort of big green, grassy green area in front of Waitrose in Wimborne, and we just had a wander around there, just going up to people. Now, it was, I think, Queen Elizabeth School, secondary school in Wimborne. They had a, an open evening um, on Thursday night. So they'd had an early closure, as some schools do. They have an early closure because the staff have got to come back in the evening. So as we were coming out, at sort of like one o'clock, the buses were full of of, of uh, kids from the school in their school uniform. All this in the road was just packed with people, kids coming past in school uniforms. I turned around to one of them and said, how comes, you know, a school finished? They said, yeah, we've got a, a, an open evening, we've got an early closure. Great. And, but they were all, of course, around this, this grassy area as well. And um, so Russell and I were sort of went up to a few people. Our first couple we went up to were Christians. That was quite funny. Um, and they said, oh, great, what are you doing? You know, bless you. That's really it's quite encouraging, really. And then we went up to some other people, went up to another guy, and he worked in the bank, and it was his lunchtime. And, you know, his, his friend was religious, as he called it, but he wasn't. Um, and uh, But we just talked to him about Jesus. And, um, yeah, we had a good conversation with him. He didn't, didn't you know, repent and fall on his knees. And, but, but we just, you know, we were part, you have to be part of a process, don't you? You know, you may talk to someone and you move them from didn't know anything about God to, well, actually, there are some people around who believe in God. You might talk to somebody else and they've already had that conversation and they think, oh, and they move from people who are, is that me? It's in my pocket. Right. They move from... Um, Okay, my, I just hold this rather than my pocket, it might uh, not. Yeah, they move from, I'm a bit aware of God, to, 
actually, these people are quite ordinary. They're okay. And you might move away with somebody else from, actually, these people are quite ordinary to, I'd like to find out a little bit more about church. You know, you don't go from naught to 60. You're not, you know, you're not driving a Maserati or something that it's going to go from naught to 60 in however many seconds. When you go to people, some people, you just move them from one place to another. Didn't know about God at all. Oh, that's weird. There's some people who believe in God. You know, and you've, and you've served your purpose. If that's all you've done is move them from that point to that point, you've served your purpose. Well, we had some great conversations with some of the youth, actually. We, we went up to a group of guys, and, um, and they'd got some sort of like um, emergency tape from, I don't know whether it was electrician's tape or something. Anyway, they taped up one of their mates, as kids do when you're at school. So he was completely like, you know, with tape all around him. And uh, they were having great fun just taping up their mate and not letting him go. But we got chatting to them, um, you know, and, and we just asked them if any of them hadn't wanted anything for prayer. And one of the kids said, you know, yeah, um, he said, I, I suffer from, I've got ADHD. Um, and we said, well, does that affect you? Do you, do you? Would you like to, you know, not have ADHD? He said, yeah, I get into trouble and I can't concentrate. And yeah, I'd, it'd be great if I didn't have it. So we just said, okay, well, we'll pray for you. You know, and we just prayed for this boy, Adam, you know, that the Lord would deal with his ADHD. And we just prayed a blessing on these kids. They're all year 11. You know, they're going to go into exams this year. We just prayed for them. And we, you know, went up to other, went up to a group of girls and uh, just said, talked to them, said, do you know that there's a church that meets in, because Good News Church actually meets in Q QE school on a Sunday. That's where they meet in the school, in the secondary school. I said, do you know there's a church that meets in your school on a Sunday, every Sunday? No. I said, They'd love to see you. Just, just you know, go along. And, and so there were lots of these, and there are other people as well having conversations. So it was just good to get out and tell people about Jesus. And, and we're actually setting up, um, from the training that we did a few weeks ago with Russell, the second and the fourth Sundays of every month, Saturdays of every month in the afternoon, I think we said one o'clock, one till three, we're going to be doing street outreach we'll spend a few moments probably in here to start with just reminding ourselves just practicing you know because what we do is we offer prayer we say anything i can pray for you about and we pray for people and then we say do you mind if i tell you how i came near to god and we can share them our story we've got a, a method that we use uh, a little to give a little story of of how to become a christian um, and then sort of ask people, you know, where are you in this? Where would you like to be? Can we meet up with you again? Um, and as you said, Mary, I think you probably, the, the stats from Saturday, you, I think you said you spoke to about nine or so people, nine or ten, and of that, four or five actually let you pray for them. Um, and, and of the one that was pretty, there was only one really negative rejection, and we are the same actually in Wimborne. There was probably only one negative rejection and a lot of people were sort of kind of very british um you know um no i can't think of anything i want praying for but thank you for asking very kind of you um which is a very nice rejection you can live with that rejection can't you we weren't, we weren't being stoned uh, like stephen was um but it starts just by being very faithful in doing very small things Whatever it is that God has given you to do, wherever you are, 
on the school gate, just talking to friends with your neighbors at work, wherever it might be, just being good news, being a blessing. If you get an opportunity to speak to somebody, pray for somebody about something. If they're, if they're telling you a story of, oh, you know, and a really, really tough time at the moment, or, oh, you know, having a problem with my, with my dad, he's, uh, he's gone into care, you know, um, he's really suffering from dementia. Can we just pray about it for you? You know, just to do that. Bye, Sally. Love to Fred. Yeah. Um, and um, whatever you can do, do it faithfully. Just start with small things. It's not big. You don't have to, you know, we're not going to go and, and become Billy Graham suddenly, overnight. We just do what we can, faithfully serving, just like Stephen did. And then as God sees our faithfulness and opens up more opportunities, who knows, we may yet find that we're the ones who are praying and seeing God do works and miracles as we pray for people. Who can say? We might find we face opposition, though. We may find that even when we do this, it doesn't always work out that people think, oh, that's good, we love you. (laughs) But we're not doing that for them, we're doing it for God. Okay, so, and like Stephen, I'd just encourage us, we can keep saying it, and it's always good to say, and I don't mean this in any legalistic way, please do not be legalistic. See if you can spend time with God. See if you can spend time in his word. Because that was what Stephen did. He knew his scriptures, was filled with the spirit. We can do that. We can, we can just get into our Bibles occasionally get to know God a bit more. When things happen, if we know God, if we, if we can see these things in Scripture and things bad happen to us, oh, I see that. That happens. I see it in Scripture. But God always sees us through. We can begin to just make differences in people's lives and see salvation come. See people being saved, baptized, and added to us as a congregation and the other churches across the town as well. Are we going to serve God all in? Even though sometimes there might be a public cost, are we going to serve God all in? Let's just pray. Rachel, do you want to come up and we'll just finish with a song? Father, we give you thanks. Thank you for the people that Mary and her team spoke to on Saturday. Thank you for the people that were spoken to in Wimborne on Thursday. Thank you for the people that were spoken to here in town a couple of weeks ago. Thank you, Lord, for our friends that you are giving us opportunities to share your love with. Help us to just serve you faithfully in small things that you may give us opportunities to take responsibility for even greater things. Lord, that you'll be glorified and honoured. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks.